the vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my Father is the, gar the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away with the with and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into a fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know all his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Well, again, uh, good morning. Welcome. If I haven't had the privilege and pleasure of meeting you, my name's Joel. And uh, it's great that you're here with us this morning. Just a beautiful passage this morning we're looking at coming from John chapter 15. And today actually um, is going to conclude our series that we've been looking at in term two on the message of Jesus. And so over this term, we've considered um, various aspects of the teaching of Jesus. We started out looking at repent and believe, that idea of turning around and trusting in Jesus. We then looked at Jesus's mission statement, uh, which he quotes from the book of Isaiah, and that Jesus, we, we really see there that he came particularly um, with a priority to the outsider, the person who wasn't part of kind of the religious establishment of the day, but he actually had a, a real desire to reach out to those on the fringes and the margins. And then um, Andrew Palmer came and spoke to us about the harvest and the workers, and Jesus kind of sending his workers out into the harvest, which was plentiful. We then considered the Beatitudes, and then we, on Pentecost Sunday, considered Jesus's teaching on the Holy Spirit. Louise spoke to us a, a challenging message, um, a pa the parable of the rich fool and s some important things that Jesus had to teach us about money and possessions on that occasion. We then considered Jesus' words about loving your enemy, words that he not only preached but he lived and we saw that most intensely on the cross. Uh, last week we considered the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. And so today we conclude our series by looking at this beautiful passage 
in John 15, some of the last and final words that Jesus speaks to his disciples, as I mentioned uh, just earlier, before he went to the cross. And there's so many different sermons that could be preached from these 17 verses of Scripture. It's a, a difficult text to come to. There's, there's obviously so much that one would like to be able to say. But this morning I'm going to try and narrow in on just a few particular areas. So this lovely passage, the vine and the branches, in John chapter 15. Let's just take a moment to pause and pray before we consider what Jesus says to us in these words this morning. Lord Jesus, we come this morning, Lord, together as your people. Each one of us, Lord, coming with um, a very different background, coming with a range of different feelings and emotions and experiences that we've had this week. And yet here we find ourselves in a moment of time where we have come to sit under the teaching of your word. And we want to thank you, Jesus, for your words that we have been considering this term, words that you spoke. And Father, I pray that we might be a people who not just hear your words, but a people who seek to believe your words and live your words. We thank you for the truth of your words, and I pray that this morning your Spirit might allow us to grab a hold of what you would say to each of us and that we may leave, uh, Lord, with a sense of having been um, encouraged, inspired, reminded of your great love for us, reminded of what it is to follow after you and grateful that your spirit is with us always, enabling us to live out your words. We thank you for your word and its accessibility to us. And we pray that you would bless this time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. These words spoken by Jesus are very much about our relationship with him. How do you feel about your relationship with Jesus? It is, after all, if we are his people and his followers, a relationship that we have, a relationship that we can invest significantly in, um, or a relationship like any other relationship that we can neglect. There is so much good promise for us in today's passage that, firstly, it's not all up to us. (laughs) And as Pam was saying earlier, that's such a wonderful thing. Our relationship with Jesus is not dependent upon us. (laughs) It's actually a gift of God's grace. But we can be responsive in that relationship. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you this morning. The first 11 verses of John 15 are very much about the relationship that we share with Jesus. In these Um, 11 verses, the word abide or remain is used 10 times. This whole idea of remaining in, of abiding in Jesus, this beautiful relationship. And then the subsequent 12 uh, to 17, verses 12 to 17, are very much about the fruitfulness. And that, in a sense, is the outworking of that abiding relationship. And the most significant fruit that comes from being a person who abides in Jesus is it results in being a person of love. 
And Jesus says multiple times to his disciples that they are to love one another. So the evidence of a person who is abiding in Jesus is that they are a person of love. There could be no greater or higher goal for you to have than to allow the love and the life of Jesus to flow through you in being a person of love. A little bit earlier on in John's Gospel in chapter 10, Jesus gives us a different metaphor of his relationship with his followers, and that is of a shepherd and sheep. And that particular image is another beautiful one. It speaks to us very much of the care and the protection and the guidance that Jesus offers. Uh, The image today from John 15, and I love how Jesus gives multiple images of what our relationship with him looks like. It's very much a relationship of connection and of dependence and of fruitfulness. Jesus says in verse 1, I am the true vine. What did Jesus mean when he said the true vine as opposed to I am the vine? Well, in this instance, Jesus was referring to the difference between the vine of Israel and Israel were supposed to, in a sense, be the, the vine of God or the, the, the branches of God, but they never f- achieved that. Uh, we see so many passages in the Old Testament scripture where, where Israel is referred to as a vineyard or as a vine or as branches, but oftentimes these verses are, in a sense, condemning Israel highlighting the fact that they never actually achieved what God designed for them. So we see here in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Everything that Israel failed to be in God's plan for them finds its ultimate fulfillment in the person and the life and the work of Christ. And that is why he, not Israel, is the true vine. We see in this passage that there are three distinct roles. There is the vine, that is Jesus. There are the branches, they are those who are his followers. And there is the gardener, and that is described as God the Father. There is only one vine and there is only one gardener. But in this passage, we see there are two different kinds of branches. There is those branches that are dead and uh, are not producing any fruit. Now, we have to be careful because this is an allegory, but the assumption would be that those branches that are dead and are removed essentially is referring to people who appear to believe in Jesus but are not genuine believers or genuine followers of Christ. The other type of branch is the branch that is producing fruit. And these branches will in fact be pruned. And that's a difficult process, but they will be pruned in order that they might become more fruitful, increasingly fruitful. And so we're going to consider these three ideas that run through this passage And that is the relationship that we have with Jesus is a relationship of connection, of dependence that results in fruitfulness, connection. We see in verse 4, Jesus says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. That connection to Jesus is so important. Without the connection to Jesus, ultimately there is no life, and without any life there is no fruit. The goal of our walk with Jesus is to remain connected to him. And as we focus on that relationship and remaining connected to him, the outcome, the natural outcome of a living, breathing relationship with Jesus is fruitfulness. Uh, It's much like the blood cells that run through our veins. When we enjoy a relationship with Jesus, um, then he is, in a sense, coursing through our veins. And this is more than just simply the things that we believe or the way that we behave. It is also, in fact, an experience. And many believers, I'm sure for each of you, there have been occasions and moments when you have felt the presence and the power and the peace of God dwelling within you. And that's not something that you can sort of necessarily describe to someone. It's a, an experience that you've had. Ideally, an experience that you continually have as you commune with Jesus, as you seek to walk with Him. So the Christian life is not only about beliefs that lead to behaviours, but it is also about experiencing a relationship, a relationship with Jesus where when you pray, you know that he is listening to you. You know that his desire um, is that you would draw close to him and he draw close to you. Now, for a branch to remain connected to a vine, it doesn't have to try to do that. (laughs) It's actually something that's very organic and very natural. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are in his family. You are connected to Jesus. It's not a question of whether I am or am I not. I didn't read my Bible this week. I didn't go to church. Does that mean I'm not connected to Jesus? No, of course not. The moment you put your trust and your faith in Jesus and his Holy Spirit comes to dwell in in your heart, in your life, you are permanently connected to the vine. You are connected. A branch. And what we see is that branches don't try to remain connected to the vine. They simply accept that they are. (laughs) And, And in a sense, for a vine, for a branch to be productive, it needs to learn to rest and to be content. And from that place of restfulness and contentment actually comes the fruit. So to be a person who truly rests in Jesus is content in Jesus is actually going to flow into a life of fruitfulness. And we'll see how that process works a little bit later. The process also of pruning is a difficult one, but it is a process that is necessary for our growth. Verse 2, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God is so concerned with our character the types of people that we are. And there are many experiences that we go through in this life that are challenging and difficult. However, during those times, if we can learn to rest and submit to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, our character will grow. And as our characters grow and become 
more and more Christ-like, then the fruitfulness of his glory and his kingdom will yield itself in our lives. So be encouraged, even through difficult times, God can still develop your character. Our role as the branches is to actually submit ourselves to that pruning process. And that can be hard. Sometimes these lessons can take a very long time because we fail to submit to the secretaries of our Heavenly Father. And I just invite you, when you're going through a tough time, to ask God, God, how are you trying to prune me? Show me those areas in my life where I keep falling short of your best, of your design, of your plans for me. And give me the grace to humble myself under your care and do what needs to be done to grow through this difficult time. And you will, my friends, grow. (laughs) And all for God's glory. This beautiful picture, this beautiful image next is an image of dependence. Now, the interesting thing about the vine and the branch is that it is not kind of a two-way relationship. The vine is... The vine is not dependent upon the branch. If you chop a branch off a vine, the vine will continue to live. But the branch is entirely dependent on the relationship with the vine. Jesus is not dependent on you or I for his life source. Spiritually speaking, you and I, however, are. We are entirely dependent upon Jesus for our spiritual life. And so the relationship that we have with Jesus is very much a relationship of dependence. And this requires us to be a people who would humble ourselves, recognising that we are entirely dependent upon God for our life, both spiritually and indeed physically. He is the author of our lives. It's a little bit like this idea of an an appliance. I mean, you think about your kettle and your toaster. If they are not plugged into a power source and you turn that button on, nothing happens. It's just a great example because we can all relate to it. Any appliance in your household that just you, you use it every day and it works because you can turn it on. The only reason it works is because it is designed to be plugged in to a power source. And as believers, we are dependent upon Jesus if we are to live the lives, the fruitful lives that he has designed for us, we must remain connected to the power source. Does that make sense? Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. I love this quote from Michael Wells from a book called Sidetracked in the Wildernesses. Just as a branch has no life within itself, Christians are not called to generate life, but to receive it. We are not called to imitate the life of Christ, but to participate it. You see, if we are branches connected to the vine, his life naturally flows through us. And that's how we participate in the life of Christ, by learning to remain connected, by having a posture of dependence 
upon him. You know, a posture of dependence, I think of our dog. She cannot feed herself. I mean, she could if she, if, if she was available, you know, if the food was there and accessible. But it's not. We keep it in a space where she cannot get to it herself. We have to feed her. That is a relationship of dependence. And she will come, and she's not very well trained, but she is exceptionally well trained to sit when there is food available. (laughs) And I think for us, just to assume that posture of submission toward God that says, God, I need you. God, I am dependent upon you. For us to be a people who make feeding on the Word of God a priority, we actually have to position ourselves to be open and receptive to what God would want to say to us. Now, I commend you that you, in fact, have chosen right at this very moment to do just that. You don't have to be here listening to God's Word. You've made a choice to listen to these words of Jesus this morning. No one has forced you to do that. You have made that choice. And many of you have made it a lifelong discipline and habit to sit under the the Word of God Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I commend you for that. But there is not one person here who only eats once a week on a Sunday morning, right? We all eat every day multiple times. And so if we're only having one meal a week, we're going to be incredibly malnourished. (laughs) And so it's going to look different for each of us. Some of us are going to listen to the Word of God. Others of us are going to read the Word of God. But nevertheless, the Word of God is our life source. And I invite and encourage us to be a people who make ourselves available under the Word of God on a regular, daily basis to feed our souls so that we will not be malnourished, but that we will be well-nourished followers of Jesus. And finally, if we are those who are connected to Jesus and we are dependent upon Jesus, the outcome of that relationship will be fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Who doesn't want to be a fruitful follower of Jesus? I don't know anyone who's fed income about following Jesus and doesn't want to live a fruitful life. You know, it's the same for a vine and a branch. In a fruit tree, the branch is ultimately designed, the outcome is that that branch would produce fruit. And in fact, the very best thing for it to do is to produce fruit because that's what it was designed to do. You think about a car. It is designed to drive. If a car is made, not that a car has feelings or words, but the whole purpose of a car is that it would drive. And in a sense, a car is most alive when it's being driven. It's the same for us as followers of Jesus. When we're being fruitful, we're actually doing everything that we were created to do. And this is where Jesus says, uh, you know, my joy will be complete if your joy is complete because we're actually doing the very thing that we were created to do, to be those people who are being fruitful, producing fruit for the kingdom. 
You will never be as joyful as you can be as a follower when you are connected and dependent and fruit-bearing for Jesus. This is the desire, is it not, of every genuine follower to be a fruitful follower for our lives to actually bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Now, the fruitfulness is, is multifaceted. You know, of course, we, we might often go to the fruit of the Spirit. And absolutely, the fruit of the Spirit is the result of a life that is connected to and dependent upon Jesus. At these nine fruits of the Spirit that we would know so well from Galatians are by no means the limitation of the fruitfulness. Uh, Colossians has another beautiful list. And in this list, Paul is speaking about clothing ourselves with all of these Christ-like characteristics. So in addition to the fruit of the Spirit, we have qualities like compassion and humility. And we have the command there to forgive others. And I'm thinking about other commands such as being slow to speak and quick to listen. All of these are character traits. In a sense, they are the marks of a fruitful, mature believer. You know, as we are people, and in Hebrews 13, another passage, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. I understand this verse to refer to our worship of God, of Jesus, as we verbally worship Jesus, but as we openly, with our lips, profess the name of Jesus. That is also a mark of fruitfulness in our lives as we develop increasing Christ-like character. Then we become witnesses for Jesus. And this too is the fruitfulness of our lives, that we would give witness to the life of Christ in us. Now, of course, when we think of witnessing, and in particular when we think of evangelism, our, our tendency is to think of our individual or our personal witness. And yes, this is true, that each of us has opportunities to witness for Jesus in our relationships, uh, in the way that we go about our lives, sort of apart from the body, if you will. But let us never forget that in the Bible, in the New Testament, Jesus is always concerned. In fact, right through the Scripture, God's concern is for the community and how the body is being a light, how the body is being salt. You know, there's so much to be said for the faithful witness of a community of people who love one another. And Jesus stresses that point throughout this passage, the command to love one another. Of course, we know from other commands, just as we looked at last week, that to love our neighbour is to love God. But if God's own people, if God's own family could genuinely learn to love one another, we are told that the witness that that has will be profound. The world will know that we are his disciples if we have love for one another. And this is one of Jesus' greatest concerns and commands as he was about to go to the cross was believers' love for one another.
there's a real challenge for us in that, isn't there? You know, in any kind of community, there are going to be people who are easier than others for us to love. We need to learn at working hard at loving one another because Jesus told us to. And what Jesus says really matters. Finally, it's all good and well to speak about remaining in Jesus, to remain connected and dependent and as a result fruitful. But how do we do this? Like what's our role in this? Surely we have a role to play. Well, Jesus, in fact, gives us the answer himself in the text. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In verses 9 and 10, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. There are four things that immediately come to me from this text. We're to live in a relationship of trust of trusting in Jesus, of trusting in his goodness, trusting that he is our life source. We don't have to try to be a branch connected to the vine. We simply trust Jesus. We trust that we are connected to him. We feed on the word of God. Of course, the words of Jesus, but all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for us and necessary for our growth. We're to be people of prayer and we're to be people who obey. So very practically speaking, when Jesus says, love one another, he means love one another. Okay, and that's going to mean forgiveness. That's going to mean listening. That's going to mean humbling ourselves. That's going to mean a whole bunch of things. The fruit of trusting in God, of feeding on his word, having it dwell in us, of being people who are prayerful and of being obedient to his word is joy and answered prayer. How wonderful is that? You know, the more obedient we are to Jesus, the more joyful we will be. What a wonderful promise that is found in this passage. As we trust in Jesus, we will experience the pruning of Father God. During those times, submit to that process that he might grow your character. Let us be people of prayer. Let us be people of God's word. And let us be people who, in our fruitfulness, experience the joy that God has designed for us. This sounds a whole lot like fixing our eyes on Jesus to me. And that's what we're focusing on this year. The how-to of abiding begins not with a work, but with an attitude to be maintained. We live in an attitude of abiding, deeply aware that he is our life. I want to finish with this. You may be sitting here today, you've been a follower of Jesus, or at the very least you've believed in Jesus for years, maybe decades, and you're wondering to yourself, is there really... You know, I'm not seeing a lot of difference in my life. I'm not seeing a lot of growth. I wish that there could be more. Is, is God really in my heart? Am I really a branch connected to the life source? Is that really the case? I, I don't know. I don't really feel it or experience it. You know, think about the human body. You and I have all of these organs inside of us. 
And most of the time, we don't feel that they are there. Now, I can't feel my heart beating right now, but I know it's there. And if it stopped beating, yeah, I'd know about it, and so would all of you. But the reality is that when God, by his Holy Spirit, dwells in us, we may not always feel it. There will be times when we will genuinely feel that wonderfully close connection. But the reality is most of the time we're not going to feel it like we would feel these organs. But each of those organs are there and they are doing their part and they are playing their role. Take care of your spirit. Feed your soul by trusting in God, by praying to him and by reading his word and then submitting to it and being obedient. And know the joy that comes from being a fruitful follower. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this delightful image of abiding in you and of your life flowing through us. Pray, God, that we would be people who are responsive and open and submissive to the work that you want to do in each and every one of us by your Holy Spirit. And that as we participate in this process of learning to trust in you, of opening ourselves up to your word and being taught and learning, seeking to be obedient to it as best we can and seeking you in prayer, God, that we will be people who produce fruit for your kingdom, that ultimately your name will be honoured and praised and we will live lives characterised by joy. You, Lord, will be joyful in our joy. And what a wonderful thought that is. We thank you for this beautiful passage of Scripture and how you've spoken to us today. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.